Welcome into the Roaring Repeater podcast here on 7220sports.com. Cody Tucker joined as always by Jared Newland from our beautiful downtown Cheyenne, newly remodeled studios. And it's beautiful outside. Damn near 50 degrees. <laughs> December so nice. 21st. I'm in shorts and sandals and I just walked in going, wow, no W word going on. This is uh And folks, he still doesn't have a beard. No, not yet. It'll be back. It takes five minutes. I've, I've been getting questioned about that more than you could even imagine. It's like a freaking Chia pet. Paul Blart Malkot is back. <laughs> it's terrifying, I know. <laughs> I know. Just want to be left alone. This is a leave me the hell alone mustache, I think. It's all bad. <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on, uh, obviously, here with the University of Wyoming since the last time we were on the air. This keeps happening, too, by the way. we. Uh, I know we show. go into a week and it's like, <laughs> what in the hell are we going to talk about next thing you know? You know, signing day. Next yeah. thing you know, Aaron Bowles named defense coordinator. Yeah. Next thing you know, Wyoming basketball plays a hell of a game down in El Paso. Yep. So Mason Walters a lot of is things back. to talk about. Yeah, Mason Walters back for the Cowboys. He made a hell of a difference because I know you were at the Weber State game the other night. Um, that was pure pain. That second half was one of the worst I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, and when you got down in the numbers, man, the, the front court for the Wildcats outscores the Cowboys 50-8. to eight. I mean, Cam Manyow scores two. Uh, it just it was it was brutal. It was Caden Powell with six. Um, Oleg Kojenitz completely just invisible. He only played three minutes. It was just it was gross. And then they all played decent yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mason Walters with twelve points in his debut. Uh, that's what I wrote in my column. Was like, get well soon, please, because they need you. And I think Mason missed a lot of gimmies yesterday. Yeah, because you didn't get to watch part of the first half because the streaming wasn't working. Um. Thanks, Sun Bowl Association. Association. But anyway, uh, but yeah, just what you could hear Kevin and Keith saying on the broadcast, the radio broadcast, was he's just pushing too much. Yeah. And those shots are going to fall, and then they start falling for him. Yeah, and we heard Linder in the postgame last night, too, talking about, um, you know, that's his first game against this kind of competition. So uh, for a first game, he obviously made a heck of a difference. So in the Cowboys. Down there briefly in the second half and bounced right back, 12-0 run, and uh, pulled it off. And played really good defense because South Dakota State's leading scorer held him to seven points, scoreless in the first half. Yeah, yep. So. Uh, he credited Kobe Newton for sure. Uh, somebody else, I can't remember, but uh, credited Kobe Newton with really neutralizing him. Uh, I can't believe we just started this show with basketball, Jared. Um, I know, we got off this. on maybe the left foot, but <laughs> yeah. let's go back to the right foot. Football. Yeah, yeah, no football thing as far as we can. Uh, you you remember back in the day when you know when football season ended, football was over. You had to you waited for signing day, and there was like rarely any kind of crazy yeah, news. Because I mean, if you were in a bowl game, and Wyoming's some of their bowl games they played in, you know, like New Mexico Bowl, things things like that, they're already done. Yep, exactly. They were done last Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, so Wyoming now still has nine days before the bowl game. Yep. Um, and then, of course, early signing period happened yesterday. Plenty of time for news to come out, that's for sure. And it's just that's what I love about college football now, and I know it's maddening because the news isn't always good, but there's news 24-7, and I, and I absolutely love it. I love this time of year. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, we can start with the signing class, but I know a lot of people aren't familiar with these names, so let's start with uh, the first news that broke, uh, Tim Polisek, uh, head Wyoming's offensive coordinator over the last three years. 
Um, I wasn't surprised by this. He gets hired at North Dakota State, and they keep their tree and their lineage going in the same direction by bringing him back. He spent 10 years there. He was part of four national titles there. Uh, he was a Craig Bowl guy. So when Craig retired, I wasn't exactly stunned. And I can be honest with you now about it. I got a call from an AD at another school, uh, which what the hell's an AD calling a, a beat reporter for? But he called me and he said, tell me about Tim Polisek. We're going to ask him if he if he's interested in a job. And I'm like, oh, wow. you know. So I kind of told him a little bit about him. They actually called me back like a couple hours later. And they were like, well, Tim said he's not interested. He's looking at other uh, avenues and other jobs. And correct me if I'm wrong, that was a good three weeks ago. At least, yeah. So that that goes to show you that some things were going on at North Dakota State that they knew that their head coach was going to go become the defensive coordinator at USC. He's only going to be a linebacker's coach. Linebacker. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there, there had to be some things in the work if Tim pulls his name out that he had heard something or he knew that he was going to be have a chance at that position. Yeah, because State. this wasn't exactly Alabama calling by any stretch, but it's a head job yeah. in a in a pretty cool destination yeah. in a place where it was another FCS school. FCS school, yeah, just not a powerhouse like North Dakota State. Sure, and uh, but I mean, it'd be really hard, wouldn't it, if you're in a in his position, you've never been a head coach in 20 years in this in this business, and you started as a GA, and we all know his story. He was a lumberjack. Um, he was sleeping inside the Fargo dome because he made $6,000. I want to say his first year in Fargo under Craig bowl, so buying his first golf club or yeah, something. Yeah. He traded a golf <laughs> yeah, traded club a just golf to get club. gas to get yeah. there. And then he talked about how he crushed a Miller light right when he got the news. <laughs> and, uh, Tim's a good guy, man. He, he really is. But one thing about Tim that I'll never forget, he is so emotional. I mean, to a point where, you know, guys would tell me, yeah, we love Coach, but he just, I mean, he is on all the time, screaming, yelling, and not in a necessarily a negative way, but he's just on all the time to where sometimes you just got to go, whoa, pump the brakes. And he would be that way in interviews with us. I, I Ryan Thorburn would be down in the front row doing an interview on a Monday afternoon. All of a sudden you hear yelling and screaming, and it's Tim Polisek in the middle of an interview. And then afterwards I go, what the hell did you do to get him all riled up? And he goes, uh, nothing. Just <laughs> asked him a question. Just asked him a question, man. He he gets fired up. And, I mean, th- that's good and bad. I mean, I'm that way too. I'm kind of emotional either way. But he is like – he takes it to a whole new level. So I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. And – uh I'm also really excited for this opening because I thought all along he is a Craig Bull guy, and uh, maybe things aren't gonna aren't gonna fit if Craig's not here. And I don't know if that's the case or not. He obviously got a great opportunity. I watched his introductory press conference with NDSU, and they kept saying, you know, this is one of the premier programs in the country. And at first, I kind of chuckled and said, yeah, right. But for real, they have been consistently good for so long. I mean, more than two decades now. So they are one of the premier as far as their size goes, mm-hmm. and so, they've and they've knocked off, yeah, the you know division one one A teams. They were a couple of overtimes away from beating Montana last week in a hostile Missoula and going on to Frisco again. Again, so good for Tim Polisek. I'm happy for him. Uh, that's a huge opportunity. He talked about how he got passed over for the job the last time it was available. And now that he was devastated, but it ended up being the best thing for him. He obviously went on to Iowa, went on to Wyoming, um, learned a lot of things. So good for Tim Polisek. Uh, so now the offensive coordinator position's open under Jay Savell, as well as he needs to replace himself at D.C. And I tell you what, Jared, the one thing I absolutely love about Jay Savell 
Yesterday, we're in the middle of our press conferences just talking about the recruiting class. That's all we're doing. And we ask, I was actually going to ask the question, and somebody beat me to it. I can't remember who, but they said, when do you expect to have these positions filled? And he just kind of went, well, I'm probably not supposed to say that, but Aaron, I'm promoting Aaron Bull to defense coordinator. So there, there, there's some news for you. <laughs> you know, that's stuff that Craig Bull would have never done. And then a few minutes later, this one's not as big, but he said, you know, obviously recruiting Cheyenne's really cool. It's our biggest market closest to us in state, all that stuff. And he goes, and we're going to be having our spring game there. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that either, but we're going to have our spring game there because the renovations at the war love it. He's well, just they've, dropping stuff. They've done the spring game up in Casper before. Yeah, and Cheyenne. And Cheyenne, yeah. yeah. So it, it is good that they do move it around a little bit. Um, it's it's part of their outreach. Yeah, it, I, I love it. I, and I, I kind of wish they would do it. I know this is kind of sacrilege for me to say, but kind of wish they would do it like in Star Valley. I know they did wrestling there not too long ago, and they did uh, volleyball in Evanston. Um, I... I spent a weekend there once. Uh, I was the only guy drinking in the whole county. I'm sure of that. Uh, they had get no Wyoming news there yep. at all. Not a newspaper, not TV. It's all Idaho and Utah. There's a brewery there now. Is there? Yeah. Oh, no one. I, I wasn't going in there either. We know that. <laughs> um, but I, I love it. I love the outreach stuff. I think it's great. I think it's really cool. I'm glad they're coming to Cheyenne selfishly. Obviously, we're here. Um, but And part of it, too, is that, you know, like with uh, uh, Andrew Johnson, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind of go to those locations where they have players from type of a deal. So. Yeah, I think they did NC, you know, having, yep. having Logan at and the I time. I know volleyball's done, you know, things in Cody and Sheridan because of players and yeah. women's basketball too. So When they had the uh, scrimmage basketball game, right, for McManaman in uh, Torrington. Torrington. Played Chadron, I believe. Yeah, and they also did the one on the reservation. Yeah, um, with for Luke Martinez. Yep. 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 Yeah, good stuff, man. I love that. Anyway, uh, Aaron Bull, uh, we talked about it on the show last week about is the future DC on this staff already? And we both kind of, I don't know. Uh, I made the case for for Bull because the house he was raised in mainly, and he's been four years under Savell. And then as I was writing the stories yesterday, I mean, he's on year seven now, quietly. He came in as a GA for a couple years, and then in 2019 – Willie Matt Garza got arrested uh, for DUI, and Craig Bull let him go. Jake Dickard at the D.C. at the time ended up taking over the safeties at that point, and then uh, then Aaron had the interim tag slapped on him, and then the next year he was a full-time linebacker's coach. And we also spoke about how Aaron Bull was kind of the eyes in the sky for yeah. Savell yeah. being up in the booth. So yeah. he has seen things from above, probably translated some things to Jay before, and then he hears Jay call the play, and all that stuff's processing through his mind, like why he called that play, right, and things like that. So it it does seem like the the continuity and the transition should be a flawless one. But once again, he still has never called a sure. defensive play at this level. Yeah, no, that's a good point though. Being up top, I wonder if he'll still be up top. I'm sure that's something that Jay'll let guys decide i mean he's never seen from the sideline but uh, practice i mean i'm sure he sees a lot in practice but yeah but maybe maybe it is better that he stays up there because jay is his eyes on the on the field he can still go talk to the guys like he always did yeah but then aaron stays up there and maybe that's easier for him to process yeah uh, of what he had seen in previous years i guess spring game will be the we'll see where he is (laughs) yeah sure um well and it shows too that 
not only has he been under his father his entire life, who is a defensive whiz from his time in Nebraska and in North Dakota State and Wyoming, Jay Savell, and he was under Dickert for a couple of years. And Dickert, obviously, you know, he he wasn't hired as the head coach at Washington State, but um, slid right in and has done a fine job since. Yep. So that's another guy who really knows his defense. So he's been with some dudes and. Um, you know, I saw some fans talking about why not Oscar Giles. Um, I think you can argue Oscar's been a coach for 24 years and has never been one. Uh, there must be a reason for that. Maybe he doesn't want to be. Um, but he's another great defensive mind that that he has at his disposal. Uh, they like Benny Boyd a lot on the back end with the corners. So I, I think that defensive staff has a ton of continuity. Yesterday, Savell said, we're not changing a damn thing. Defense is not changing, and I wish I could tell you the news right now, but I have it on good authority that at least one surprise guy will be back on defense, and really excited for for that because that's going to be like adding another guy to this signing class, but a guy who's ready to go right now and a guy who's ready to play. So, lips are sealed. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not going to break that news. So. Um, question is: so he Savell is going to replace himself as safeties coach with by hiring a safety hiring? Coach. Yep. Yep. And then, of course, the OC needs to be hired. Yeah. And I wonder what they're going to do, if they'll do anything with a special teams coordinator or they'll still be by committee. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we've seen the end of the musical chairs, you know, because they got a game coming up. And I think a, a lot of fans don't realize that these hires aren't happening immediately. I think you want to hire the head coach as quick as possible. Other than that, a, a lot of these guys, like Savell, wasn't hired until February. Uh, Hendricks wasn't hired till February. So. And a lot of it happens, these, the interview process at the AFCA convention that is in January. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it, it, there's no no need to panic and thinking, oh, my God, is there? there's not going to be any more good OCs left out there. They're, they're, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. And I noticed last year uh, Marty English retired at this time uh, or in January. Uh, so it's just they need to get that. The head, the head job is the important one. Mm-hmm. Other than that, so we don't know. We don't know if the staff's going to stay intact. I know Jay, uh, he has some tough decisions coming up, but he, these guys are all buddies, and they've all worked together for years. That's the one thing you can say about Craig, good or bad, is he had staff continuity, aside from the offensive line coach, which I believe Frank Crum had six of those, five or six of those in his career at Wyoming. Other than that, they've been st- they've been stable across the board. Yep. So... Uh, so it'll be interesting. People keep asking me, like, any idea about an OC? I, I, I don't know about you, Jared. I can't even begin to think who he'd even be looking at. This is a guy who's coached at all levels. He played Division III. Um, he's made a lot of friends in this business. Um, I don't know. I don't know who he would go after. I mean, his last stop was at Wake Forest, and it did not end well. And people keep thinking, well, maybe it's somebody from Minnesota. Well, maybe, but who who knows? Well, and and – he is going to tailor who he gets probably by what kind of talent they have on the on the roster right now too. Yeah. And we all know that it's a run based offense with heavy tight end play. Yep. And then, you know, wide receivers are really third yeah. on that offense. Yeah. So instead of just saying, Well, we're gonna go to the run and shoot or a spread offense, well it's not gonna happen with this offense because the the old linemen aren't pass blockers. In that sense, no, they're not guys who are separated at the line it's, and spread. Yeah, out. yeah, so it's it's you just I don't think Jay's that type of guy to hey we're gonna take a one eighty here and and go this way instead. So it's gonna most likely he will hire somebody that is run based oriented, but 
knowing that he wants to go down the field more than they have in the past. He does, and that's what we've talked about. He, you know, he kind of put a number on it, um, and I'll have to. I'm going to be writing a story about this, but he wants to see a quarterback throw for more than 300 yards a game. He 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 says how imperative it is to be able to throw the ball. You have to throw the ball, and that is something that we haven't seen. On throwing downs, you have to be able to do it, and you have to make the defense. You have to put them on their heels, and they just the Cowboys have not consistently done that until these last two weeks of the season. <laughs> Other than that, it has not been consistent. Wouldn't it be nice to have a three thousand yard passer, a thousand yard rusher, and a thousand yard receiver? Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since that's happened. That might be the winning recipe right there. I think the last time it happened was twenty sixteen when Wyoming was in the Mountain West title game. I'm pretty sure. I think. I think Josh threw for three thousand that year, and I want to say Brian Hill ran for sixteen seventeen hundred. Tanner Gentry had more than a thousand receiving yards. Um, yeah, I would say that's a that, that'd be probably your winning recipe right there, honestly. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm he he his, it sounds easy. <laughs> your offensive scheme is we need to get the hands in the in our explosive players' hands. To me, when he says that, I think, yeah, you guys didn't get the ball to Ayer Asante nearly enough this year. That is my first thought when he says that. Uh, he wants to do that. So um, I think defense, you're going to see absolutely nothing change. I think on offense, you're going to see you're going to see that balance finally. And you're going to see, we've talked about, I've talked about it with Savell forever. And what I will say about Savell too, in all of our conversations over the last four years since he arrived, Anytime I ask him about this offense, he does not say a word. He's like, that's not my side of the ball. I'm not saying a word. So now it's interesting to hear that, you know, he has to say that. And he tells you flat out, we need guys that can make plays. We are not throwing the ball consistently enough. When it's a third and eight, we basically might as well bring the punter out. I mean, that's how it's been. So he's very cognizant of it, but he he is a guy who is never going to throw dudes under the bus like that. He He stays in his lane. And now his lane's about a six-lane freeway when before it was just a <laughs> one-lane highway. So uh, it's it, I, I love his transparency. And I don't see that changing because he talked about it numerous times in his introductory press conference. I'm me. I'm, I'm real. And he is to a fault sometimes because he'll tell me, yeah, this guy sucked. Be like, how do you feel about losing this guy to the portal? <laughs> I feel great. He sucks. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, are you, you want that on the record? I don't care. Are you sure you want that on the record? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> one thing he already did though with his transparency is he named Evan Swoboda quarterback number one and I asked him the question do you, I said you might not have an answer for this yet but is is Evan the front runner and he goes yeah I just talked to him yes he is the front runner which we all know Craig never did no oh no they're going to battle it out in spring well yeah. are you going to name him after spring nope it's going to be a fall, fall yeah. decision yeah I mean really Josh's junior year was probably the last time that you felt 100% who was going to be the starter. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And before that, you didn't know. <laughs> Wonder why he did that. I, I mean, it was Do you think loyalty was a was an issue with Craig being too loyal? There were times, I mean, let's be real, during the 2021 season where you're like, what is Sean Chambers doing in there? He just turned the ball over his first 10th straight time. What are we doing? And then Levi comes in cold, fumbles. I remember specifically on an end around Isaiah Nair, don't know whose fault it was. It was one of their faults. Yank, he's out. Here comes Sean Chambers again. And I'm not blaming Craig because these guys get to see these guys behind the scenes and 
we all know Sean Chambers had an unbelievable ride while he was in Wyoming, injury-wise and all that, and he saw how hard he worked, and he saw how he was the leader. He was the true leader in that quarterback room. So I'm not saying it was a bad thing to be loyal, but to me it seemed like sometimes maybe you let that loyalty get in the way. And I know people have said that about Andrew Peasley when he struggled against Appalachian State. And I get it now. I look at it and go, yeah, how do you not put Evan in at this point? And if Harrison Whaley doesn't bust that that 75-yard touchdown run, they aren't winning that game. And this season is totally different. Totally different. But they are not winning that game. He busted that right after they had that pick six. And if he doesn't, forget it. And that kind of set the wheels in motion a little bit. I would say, yes, some of it probably was loyalty. But also, they knew that. Peasley was hurt in that game. Yeah. He was not 100%. And they trusted him more than Evan in that yeah. game. So, And, you know, you got to be realistic. They they had their hand forced with the Texas game, or Peasley would have played. Yep. No question about it. They, they felt all year and still do feel like they have a better chance to win with Andrew Peasley under center, and I don't disagree with them. I just think that day, Andrew showed you enough through two quarters where you're like, dude – you got to take a seat, or or you have a potential of hurting yourself even worse, and then we're really screwed here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like that he named Sobota? I'm seeing fans that aren't happy with that at all, especially with a four star guy in Carson May, a three star kid in Caden Anderson, and now a new kid coming in in this new. It doesn't class. mean that he's going to be the starter come August 31st in Tempe, Arizona. Yeah, it it means that he is the he's the number one QB one going into the spring. Yep, and these other guys they have their work cut out for him if they want to not beat him out for it. It the job's still open. Every job's open if yeah. somebody can play better. And he did. He prefaced yeah. it by saying, "Hey, man, the best player's going to." So play. that's what. But people think, "Oh my gosh, he's a starter. He's automatic." And no, not really. Yeah, a lot of things can happen between now and August 31st. Well, and the beauty is that he's seen what Evan can do over these last two but, seasons. And maybe they know with Evan's mindset, though, mm-hmm. that it was best to say, you know what, you are our guy going sure. into the spring. And maybe that means come January 10th, whenever he returns, or 15th, when he returns from um, you know, holiday break, yeah. maybe he's in that QB room watching film, yeah. learning, diving into that playbook. Whichever, whatever playbook that's going to be, (laughs) you know, but maybe he is, maybe he's doing more like, because we all heard that Peasley was a, um, film rat. Yeah. I mean, he was in the film room nonstop and trying to learn, trying to be better. So maybe that's what their way of lighting a fire under Evan is like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And, you know, you can only take what a coach says so far, but I I really trust the players. And I, I asked Andrew Peasley about it and he said, Evan didn't know what didn't know how to complete a bootleg when he first got here. I mean, he was not great. Uh, had all the physical tools, just was not putting it together. And he said his transformation has been unbelievable. And Peasley flat out told me, "Hey, I just told my wife I cannot wait to be a Wyoming Cowboys fan next year and see what Evan Sabota can do." And he said, "I've been around two quarterbacks in my long six-year college career." who are special, and one of them is Jordan Love, who's a starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and the other one is Evan. I I take that. I think that carries a lot of weight when your teammate says that, especially the starting quarterback of this team. Yep. And, you know, it, it was one of those things, too, that Evan was probably pushing Andrew more than people really knew. Well, I asked Craig, and Craig early in the year, and Craig said, no. Just flat out no. And then I interviewed Evan that day, and I said, so Craig said you're not pushing 
Andrew in practice, and this look came over his face like, oh, well, I guess I have work to do then. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But obviously he was good enough to be the, the backup. Yeah, and he leapfrogged Jaden Clemens, and we've seen what Jaden can do. Jaden yep. actually has played in big games. Yep. So they gave him every opportunity. They really like him, and it's easy to see why. He's an awesome kid. I, I absolutely love Evan Sabota, and obviously one look at the guy. And I mean, he is he's special. Yep. And to me, his Texas game was really solid, especially considering all the all the stuff and where he was and who he played against. But when he came in cold and threw that strike against UNLV to the sideline yep. and just hit dude on a rope, you were like, whoa. Well, and I blame the Texas game on Tim Paul. like, we can say that now that he's gone. <laughs> Should have never thrown that ball in the flat. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was rough. It, just at, at that point, maybe it was time to go downfield a little yeah, bit. Uh, the avalanche, the avalanche started. <laughs> the avalanche was underway. Uh, this week uh, wrote a story that I knew people would um, jump all over. I asked Tim, or I asked him, um, Jay Savell, will you be putting names on the jersey? Something Craig Bull was absolutely adamant that he would never do. He's not going to do it right now. He said he reserves the right to change his mind, but right now it's not happening. And it's funny when you hear or see what people are commenting about that, and I get it. You don't do your home and with rosters changing over as much as they do. You don't know who some of these guys are. Yeah. And plus they change numbers, yep. things like that. So. If there was, you know, Smith on the back of a jersey, Johnson on the back of the jersey, like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. And so I get confused sometimes. I was like, did that guy switch his uniform again? And you guys even got caught on it early in the year yeah. when you Tyrikus thought Tyreekus Davis. Yeah, uh, I was in a press conference after a game, and I said, how about the kid you brought in, a, a true freshman? Yeah. We didn't even know he was on your radar. And he goes, who? I'm like, number 12. They called him all night long. I can't even remember the name. He's like, that's Tari- Tyreekus Davis. And I was like, what happened? He had a different number on all year. Yeah. So, yeah. No, and I, I talked about it on the whole show yesterday that even Wyoming's numbers get bunched up, especially in the front. You're like, is that 10, 18, 16? Who is that? I still remember some of when I was spotting for uh, Dave Walsh. There were so many games where the uniforms were, the fonts on the uniforms you couldn't tell like between a two and a seven, a six and a all these things. Yeah, a three and an eight. Yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes they'll d- like have the foil number on, and it was glaring like when the sun was shining. You couldn't see it even with binoculars. Wow. Was, yeah. So I, I like Wyoming's font, and even though they do get bunched up a little bit, at least I think you can read the numbers. Yeah. Compared to some other. Yeah. Some other teams. So. Yeah, it, well, another thing that Craig never let anybody do, I remember asking Titus Swin, he, who had two number changes while he was here, he moved to two his last year, and I said, what's with the number change? And he goes, well, I wanted number one, but Craig pretty much laughed in my face and was like, we don't have number ones on this. This is a football team. We don't have number ones. So they don't do number one. They don't do number zero. Jay Savelle said that's still the plan to not do either one of those. However... All white. He likes the all white, and I think that was birthed during the spring game last year because he coached the all white team, and man, they look good. I think I think he heard us last week when we were talking about <laughs> white on white looks good. It does look so good. But I going back to the number, or I mean the names. Yes, I understand the whole concept of playing for the name on the front of the jersey. I like that. Yeah, I I do. But 
you know what? And I don't think you're going to lose any recruits because there's not names on the back. Do you I mean, want those guys anyway? Yeah. And Dave Christensen used to say the same thing about Nike. I can't recruit without Nike. Yeah. Really? If, if a kid is making this decision because of the shoe or the sweatsuit he's going to wear, that kid doesn't belong here anyway, in I, my opinion. I agree, but could you see where a kid would be like back in the day, like with Joe Glenn and go, New Balance? That's what my grandpa wears when he walks around the lake every morning. You ask those players on that team, and they say those are the most comfortable cleats they've ever worn. Really? Yes. Well, and I know we love our New Balance guy. Yeah, Mike Shenbeck. Love Mike Shenbeck. But I think at that time, they weren't cool because now you see Major League Baseball players wearing New Balance. Thanks to Mike. Before that, though, yep. it was like, what the hell? This is like yeah. old people's shoes. Plus, they were that prairie gold. So, to me, it was just a monstrosity all the way around. But the players did say that the cleats were actually very, very comfortable. Huh. Yeah, I think now you could probably get away with that for sure. Uh, and what a, what a smart idea by them to throw those on some high-profile Major League Baseball players. Yep. Because to me, back in the day, those were just like off limits. Like I didn't even want to buy any shirts that said New Balance with Wyoming on them because it was embarrassing. And I thought I thought it hurt CSU too. They were Russell Athletic for the forever. And I'm thinking, what the hell are you guys doing? And yeah, I'm with you. You don't want a guy based on that kind of stuff. But Russell Athletic, when everybody else is rocking. Because that was the uniform revolution at that point. Mm -hmm. And here they come out and Russell Athletic crap every week. And I thought they kind of did Wyoming some favors by doing that, by sticking to that. Because it wasn't cool. And half the time you'd look at CSU's coaching staff and they wouldn't even have like CSU-looking outfits on because they just were plain, plain Jane crap. And I looked into that, Russell Athletic, because Georgia Tech's another team. They're in a hotbed of awesome uniforms in the southeast. And I'm like, why are they still rocking these? And they're hideous in general, but you're wearing Russell Athletic. The guy, the owner of Russell, went to Georgia Tech. I don't know what the CSU tie is with all yeah, that. I, but I know I looked into it one time and yeah. found out, but I cannot remember what it was. But here we are, two middle-aged dudes checking out brands. 52 is middle-aged. <laughs> you're more middle-aged than me. I'm over the hill. <laughs> but here we are looking at brands. And I didn't hate. I didn't hate uh, Dave Christensen stuff. I mean, the camo was gross. I, I didn't hate it at the time. I love that brown helmet. but The brown matte helmet is pretty sweet. But I, aside from the Wyoming State flag, I was not into messing with Steamboat. I don't care if it's an American flag. I don't care if it's Breast Cancer Awareness Week. I, just don't. Just don't mess yeah. with that. And he did do the one game that I can't believe people didn't have an absolute heart attack when he did the big yellow W on the side against San Diego State. And it did look really good on that brown helmet. But I don't know. Sometimes it seemed like I, I think because they were losing and they were so inconsistent, too, that people are like, what are we worried about uniforms for? You need to play better. But if they're <laughs> winning, I mean, we might look back on those in a totally different light. Yeah. I mean, it works for Oregon. But yeah. that's really about it. And to be honest, Oregon's one I think about that their original, like, Donald Duck-looking dude coming out of the O is the best thing they ever had. Totally agree. What are you doing? That's a, That on the side of the helmet is beautiful. Like when Akili Smith played there. Well, just like the Indianapolis Colts, went, they played there in their retros last week. Yeah, the U on the back, the two U's. Yeah, yeah. but the, the logo, though, kind of like the Bronx yeah. going through the horseshoe. I mean, yes, love it. beautiful. Same with like the Cleveland Brown. I love that Elf logo. I even love their old dog logo. All those are, they're awesome. 
But anyway, you can talk about that forever. I, I am looking forward to the all-whites. That reminds me, of course, of like Dana Dimmel's teams wearing all-white on the road back in the day. And talk about plain Jane uniforms. Those they, were... They didn't have Wyoming on the front. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they had one bucking horse on the sleeve. That was it. And I loved them. No, no helmet stripe, no nothing. They looked old school. Uh, those were like Penn State-esque. I loved them. But uh, it is interesting to talk about the jersey stuff. In my opinion, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I don't care either way. But let the players vote on it. Let the players say, do you want do you want your name on the back or not? Because I did see some parents actually in the comment section going, hey, man, that's our family last name. And then, of course, the NIL stuff, you can say, hey, you know, it's already hard enough to see football players with helmets on. Now they don't even have a name on the back of their jersey. Now it's extra hard. Because let's be real. I mean, can you name a Penn State football player in the last decade? Saquon Barkley. One. Micah Parsons. Yeah. I can't name and five. You probably I, only know, I know that. You probably only know Micah Parsons because you're a Cowboys fan. I don't remember him being – Von Miller in college. Oh, he was. I know he was awesome, yeah. but I don't think he was the first one that rolls off the tongue. Yeah, they've always had. That's kind of like linebacker you. Yeah. So Yeah. So, interesting. I would like to see him let him vote. Or maybe be like, don't the Yankees, do the Yankees do names on the back of their jerseys even on the or on the road? I don't pay attention to the Yankees. <laughs> I don't think they do either now that I think about They're it. they the but. Astros' little brother. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't think about that either. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I say let them vote. Let them go for it. It is the time of NIL. And, you know, if Evan Soboda turns out to be a star, I think you would love to go into Brown and Gold Outlet and buy an Evan Soboda jersey that says Soboda on the back. Instead of just a number. Because 17, they're going to say, oh, Josh Allen. Yep. And even the Josh Allen jerseys they sell now have Allen on the back, even though they never did. So, anyway, uh, did talk to some players this week, too, about how important this in-house hire really was getting Jay Savelle. Uh Once again, Andrew Peasley, maybe he's realizing that the, the end is near and being more open about stuff, but he was just like, it was critical. He's like, half this roster would be in the transfer portal if they didn't hire Jay Savelle. And he's a guy who speaks from experience. He saw Anderson come into Utah State. Yep. Blake Anderson turned that on its on its ear. I looked today, saw it on Twitter, the breakdown of Utah State's signing day yesterday. Four high school kids. The rest are JUCO and transfer portal guys. And he talked about how it was really good and the continuity was really good and everything was good. All of a sudden, here comes Blake Anderson, who by all accounts is a great human being. Uh, he comes in. He brings Logan Bonner with him from Arkansas State. So he has his own quarterback, his own system. Andrew Peasley, you are the odd man out. So Andrew knew he had to go. He knew his time was up, but Utah State uh, hit it that first year. I want to say they had like 24 transfers. They win the Mountain West Conference. Ever since, they've been meddling around 500. Yep. So there's a lot to say about continuity. Um Wyatt, Wyatt Eckler was honest about it. He said, yeah, I think a lot of us, and he said us, so he might even have been including himself, would have been in the portal. Um, Jay Savell is his position coach, so he's extra close with Jay, but he said, man, the unknown, just if you're on the fence whatsoever, that unknown will push you over the fence. Yeah, damage control was definitely on the top of Berman's list when this happened, and it's a good thing Yeah, that um, he did keep in-house and they stayed and and – even former players that have played from him have reached out to you yeah. and said, slam dunk, yep. uh, two guys in the NFL, wingered, 
who didn't play for him but knows of him. Yep. And then, of course, Logan Wilson, they both said slam dunk. And Muma, who did play for him. Or, yeah. Yeah, and Muma did play for him. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. The guy who reached out to me, uh, I don't know if he wants his name public, but he was a very prominent defensive player um, who played under Jay Savelle, and he was like, dude, he actually asked me, what are your thoughts? And I said, well, what are your thoughts? And he goes, I want to hear yours first. And I told him, to be honest, I, I like it in so many ways. I really like Jay as a human being. I think he's cool. I love that he's a player's coach. But we just don't know. And that's because we just don't know. I don't know. I hope the best. I hope he kicks ass and it's all good. But I just don't know. And anybody who tells you they know is full of shit. <laughs> and then I go, all right, your turn. <clears throat> he said, love it. Absolutely love it. He has so many of the same morals and same values as Craig Bull. Not a lot's going to change. Um, however, the players' coach aspect of it is so important, and I think it's been pretty well documented that Craig Bull fell short in those areas. And I don't think Tom Osborne was known for being a players' coach and more of a CEO. And as you know by now, if you've listened to five minutes of Craig Bull talking, he pretty much bases sold career off what he learned from Tom Osborne. And Craig started being that way year seven, tad bit year yeah. eight, a little bit more year nine. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and this year, you hear about him going sitting down while people are eating. Like, yeah. hey, so how are your folks? How are your grandparents? How's your brother? Yeah, You know, things like that, which he had never done before. Yeah, Jackson Marcotte told me last year, he's like, man, he came and sat with me and was talking about the meal my mom made for him the day he recruited me and how it was still the best spaghetti or whatever he'd ever had. And, I, you know, and I could see how it'd be kind of weird for these guys. All of a sudden, Craig wants to sit at your table. You're like, what the hell is this guy doing here? He does care. Yeah, why are you at our <laughs> table? <laughs> but by all accounts, he, he made that effort, and he knew. I mean, it's time, dude. Not only is there so much changing on the college landscape, you've got to, you've got to be cool. Your players have to feel comfortable coming and talking to you. And that's what was cool, and we'll jump into this recruiting class, and I think it's a good segue to this recruiting class. Because initially you go, hey, how's this class going to be affected by a coaching change? And they mentioned it numerous times yesterday. Jay Savell and Gordy Haug, the executive director of recruiting. This is Wyoming's recruiting class. These kids came here because they love the Wyoming program. It had nothing to do with a singular coach. And we saw that not only did Craig Bull not affect that, Neither did Tim Polisek, because Polisek left two days before recruiting, uh, before signing day, and they still he recruited Minnesota and Wisconsin. Those kids are still yeah, coming. Those territories are crucial to Wyoming's development. Yep. for offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Yep, and have been for a long time. And like I said, none of them flipped. None of them. They had one player flip. Um, Devin something can't remember his last name. Don't need to know his last name now, but he's a horn frog. Yeah, he said uh, two days ago. He said I'll be decommitting from the University of Wyoming. And then about five minutes later, he posted a picture of him wearing TCU stuff. So Franklin, Texas guy, three star guy. I actually watched some of his stuff, and I was really excited about him. He actually led his team to a state championship in Texas. And if you know that grind, that's an unbelievable accomplishment to win a high school championship. Or they even, even played their there. championship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seems yeah. like it goes on forever. Uh, it does. <laughs> I want to say it's like 10 weeks. I never covered a team in Texas that made it that far. But I will tell you, like, the second round – I covered a second round playoff game for one of my teams in the Houston area, and they were playing in the Texan stadium. They didn't need to play in the Texas stadium, but that's the things they can do down there yeah. that are just so special and so incredible. Uh, the next week they played at, at Sam Houston State's uh, – home stadium. Then the next week, I think they lost, but I think the next week was at Kyle Field in, in College Station and covered state softball in the University of Texas's stadium. And I mean, that's just the kind of cool stuff you can do mm -hmm. down there. 
So um, yesterday, uh, when the dust settled, 27 commitments total. Uh, they only came out with 26. Um, at first, it was 25. Then during our actual interviews with the coaches, Gordy Haug looked at his phone and goes, oh, there's number 26. I can talk about number 26 now, which was Alex Kahn, a big, big uh, offensive lineman who you would think could step in right away. He started his career at Nebraska, won a national title just a couple weeks ago at Iowa Western. He's a guy who could possibly step in right away for, you know, a departing Frank Crum, who's the only guy on this offensive line who's leaving. And if Iowa Western um, is familiar to you guys, that's where Rico Gafford came from when he came to Wyoming. and. Of course, he had a few years in the NFL himself. Yep, no doubt. Uh, 19 scholarship guys signed yesterday, uh, nine preferred walk-ons. Um, they love the preferred walk-ons and wrote a story today about why is that so important to this team. They are going to continue what Craig Bull did. And I, I looked today for the first time, really, they would always credit Nebraska. And I read into it today, Nebraska did that so that not only were roster numbers inflated to all hell back in those days before Title IX, 150 guys on the football team, but it was a way for guys from Alliance and Scotts Bluff and Gretna and all Grand Island that grew up wanting to play for the Huskers, here's your chance. Come in and get your head kicked in, last man standing, see if you make this team. And it was really a thing of pride at Nebraska for all those years. Two main guys they didn't get from Orton Gothenburg, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, true. true. and Novacek. True, very true. Um, and they probably had offers, I, I, I would imagine, to, I would guess, to get on yeah. that walk-on program. Um, so they are going to – Jay Savell is going to continue this tradition. Uh, Craig Bull, uh, it's near 50. How many walk-ons have received scholarships at the University of Wyoming? So it's really important to them, and the, the thing, it drives a reporter absolutely insane because they don't decipher whose scholarship and who's not in the beginning. So you're like – Until the press release. Until the press there. release, yeah, and then you're like, oh, damn it, I've had this guy, like uh, Rob Rathman's son. I thought he was a full-ride guy, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with not being, but he's a preferred walk-on, and he hasn't signed yet. He'll sign uh, during February from what I understand, but – you don't know. They don't decipher, and they want it that way. It's very much on purpose because they say they treat these guys just the same. Uh, so, and now Tom Berman, they've credited Tom Berman with getting programs in place where these kids still have as many meals and access to tutors and access to the weight room. That wasn't a thing back in the day. The only difference is they're paying for their tuition. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they want everybody to be the same, and the best player is going to play. We've seen the Wyatt Whelans, the Will Pelissiers, the Jordan Bertinolis, the Ryan Marquez. Those guys all came here as walk-ons. Now those guys are going to play a huge part in this bowl game, December 30th, and they all started as walk-ons, and now they're all scholarship players. So you have an opportunity, and that's the beauty. Wyoming gives you opportunities, and a lot of these guys really take the bull by the balls and, and make it happen. So it's really nice to see. Uh, according to UW's press release, 15 of these guys are three-star rated high school players. 11 of them rank among the top 100 players in their home state. Uh, the position breakdown sees 13 recruits on defense, 10 on offense, one on special teams, and another categorized as an athlete. Uh, the defensive recruiting group is made up of five D-backs, four linebackers, four defensive linemen, offensively four offensive linemen, three wide receivers, two tight ends, one quarterback, and late yesterday a running back. Dante Birch out of the Kansas City area wrote a story about him today. Go check that out. That's a question I had for Gordy Haug, who's also the running backs coach. Uh, where the hell are the running backs? Like, this is Wyoming, man. What's going on here? And I, I think you've commented on another show that you were on yesterday that most likely 
the next signing period is where you're going to see some transfers come in. Yep. And those guys to fill those um, athlete spots. Definitely. Which, which are your wideouts, your running backs. Yeah, and they they did maybe pick, a cornerback or two. You're right, and they did pick up uh, three three wide receivers yesterday. Only one of them is a scholarship guy, um, and he's five eleven, one sixty, little speedster out of Chicago. Um, they need help at the wide receiver spot. They're just they're losing a ton of weapons. And um, I asked Jay Savell, is it safe to say you're going to be hitting the portal hard for a wide receiver? And he didn't say it's safe to say, but he it's safe to say <laughs> they need they need him. And maybe. Maybe he's hinting that we're that Wyoming's going to go to the wishbone or flexbone. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Just a rumor, folks. Yeah, no. Don't spread it. Just a bad rumor. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, this Chris Durr guy. He's the he's the little wide re- three star recruit, uh, number fifty four overall recruit in the state of Illinois. Is both a senior and a junior. He was honored as a class five A first team All State selection. Um, he must have some serious wheels. <laughs> to be 5'11", 160. And I want to say last year he played, he started the year at 148. Uh, that's a that's a slender dude. And uh, also this uh, this Birch guy, this running back, he's 5'7", 170. Maybe he's another DQ James type of cat. He's not very big, but he rushed for 1,300 yards and 24 touchdowns last year while leading. He plays in the homeschool association. He goes to a Christian academy uh, in, in Kansas City. And they made it all the way to the national championship game. So um, I did cover one of those schools in Texas, and it's uh, and they lost to a Texas team. They lost to Tom Ball. It's an absolute. Uh, it's a slobber knocking league too. I mean, I, it, you, when you look at it, you go, "Oh, homeschool kid out of what?" But it's real deal, man. Mm-hmm. It's real deal stuff. So uh, Braylon Jenkins, he's an interesting one. Offensive lineman, number eighteen overall recruit in the state of Iowa. Um, he really helped his stock this year. And uh, Jay said when it was announced that he was going to be the head coach, uh, Braylon Jenkins was the first guy he went to visit. And they said at the 11th hour, he was getting calls from Big Ten schools with offers. And uh, they talked about how proud they are that, that he stuck with them. And he will be coming to Laramie, signed on the dotted line. He was the first player, in fact, yesterday to sign on the dotted line. So, uh, you know, you want to be an offensive lineman? This is the place to go. Number five best offensive lineman in the state of Iowa, according to the Des Moines Register. So, um, first team, class 5A, highest class. class you know those top four guys, two are probably going to Iowa and two are going to Iowa State, most yeah. likely. <laughs> and most likely those are the schools who called. Yep. And we touched on him a little bit, but uh, Iowa State might be a little pissed off at Wyoming. Uh, Dion Baptiste, uh, quarterback, six foot five, three star kid out of Katy, Texas, big lefty. Uh, watched some of his talent or watched some of his tape yesterday. Really talented guy, number twenty two best high school quarterback recruit in the state of Texas, which is saying a lot, guys. I mean, there's twenty two high schools in some towns in Texas. I mean, it's just that important. Um. Texas out of 75 Texas quarterbacks that were rated, he was number 22. So they only rated 75 of these guys. There's 75 high schools on the east side of Houston. So um, he was earmarked for Iowa State. <laughs> he told them that he was coming. Uh, he had his whole announcement on Twitter he was coming and change of plans. And now he is a Wyoming Cowboy, and he's joining a seemingly very talented quarterback room at Wyoming. Did you find out if any of these players are going to be here for the spring semester? Yes. Uh, Chris Durr, the wide receiver, um, which is good news. He'll be here. And then Keelan Anderson, uh, one of the four Wyoming recruits, the kicker out of Cheyenne South, who 
hit a 61-yard state record this year for for South High School. And if you know about South High School, um, they don't even get in field goal range very often. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they scored 24 points all year and he scored them all. Yeah, I did look at his stats, (laughs) and he didn't have that many attempts just because, like I said, they're not in position. They just don't score. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another, another story on the, uh, website today. Um, once again, Wyoming is just, they're doing their due diligence and they're doing their job within these state borders, uh, signed Alex Haswell. He was the four a lineman of the year last year, uh, playing up at powerhouse Sheridan led them to their second straight state title. Um, unanimous selection for a first team. He was on the Casper Star Tribune 25 team. Um, just, uh, he's six, four, two thirty. Played offensive line. Obviously, he's got a lot of lot of pounds to put on. Uh, so did Frank Crum. <laughs> he had a lot of room to grow. And folks, offensive line is one of those positions. If you're not one of the biggest studs where you came out of, you're not going to see the field for two or three years. Yeah. You need to develop into that yeah. position, or your and body you, is, and your body needs yeah. to develop. Yep. So I, I remember back when I was, you know, a trainer and with Tiller and those guys. I mean, if I, Steve Cyphers was a true freshman that played and Isaac Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Other than that, all these guys, they didn't play till they were redshirt juniors. And some of them probably get forced into action. Yeah. Like with, we saw Wes King, what happened to him this year, and mm-hmm. Luke Sandy, those dudes got forced into action. And they're not even true freshmen. They're redshirt freshmen. <laughs> so yeah. it's, yeah, the offensive line, Craig Bowles said it till he was blue in the face. Playing in the trenches on either side takes some birthdays unless you have some God-given yep. uh, just body. And uh, Gordy Haug talked about it yesterday. They got a couple of guys they feel like can play probably right away, especially on the defensive front. Kid out of Bryan, Texas. <clears throat> Excuse me. They really like him. Uh, he's, he's a big boy already, so they're really excited about him. Um, and he was honest. He said, this is a guy we probably couldn't have touched four or five years ago. Um, however, Wyoming's gaining a reputation and – the transfer portal is killing high school recruiting. Uh, I just told you about Utah State. That's Utah State. Imagine these other programs where you're you're about to be strung up if you don't win nine, ten games a year like Florida. Uh, you know they're they're ready to run their coach out of town again after they already ran Dan Mullen out of town. They're not going to wait around for these freshmen you're talking about that need to grow into their bodies. They need to go find some dude and get him in and plug and play right now. And that affects the high school recruiting, and it and that's where a developmental program like Wyoming can really step in. And I know it's maddening because Wyoming puts in all this work, and these kids become themselves and show what they can do, and some of them leave. But that's just the name of the game now, man, and it's something you got to go for. And speaking of names on jerseys, I've told fans this 100 million times, now more than ever you go for the name on the front of the jersey. That's who you need to pull for. The kid on the field can play for whatever he wants, but you need to. Because the faces and names are going to change with regularity. And right now, they're not. Wyoming has six players right now in the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, Five of them were non-factors, to say the least. Like, didn't even play. Uh, The other one is Colby Taylor, who's now at Vanderbilt. And we all saw how rough of a season he had on the island. So, (laughs) they're doing well. They're doing very well. They haven't pulled anybody out of it yet, but I think that's where the focus is going to shift now that signing days on the rear mm-hmm. mirror. 
Um, another guy out of Cheyenne, Drew Jackson, defensive back from Cheyenne, heard his name a million times. Unfortunately, didn't get over to any East or Central or South games this year, but heard his name a million times on the radio. Uh, knew he was one of Cheyenne East's best players. Unanimous first team 4A all selection at running back. Also earned first team honors as a D back. Um, that's the kind of guy you want here. That sounds like Logan Wilson to me. Excels on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, raw talent. Come on down. Love it. And apparently he's got the speed and everything else to get it done. Uh, we already talked about Keelan from Cheyenne South. Uh, he hit the 61-yarder against Natrona County. Um, he was also unanimous 2023 first-team All-State selection. And Tegan Seeds, if I can find his name here. Um, I, I used to cover Douglas High School. Tegan was a junior high kid when I lived there. Uh, knew him because his father is a coach at school. But Tegan Seeds is an offensive lineman from 2023. First team All-State honoree as an offensive lineman. He was a first team All-State honoree as a defensive lineman in 2022. I know Jay Rhodes and that that uh, Douglas program, they continue to pump him out year in and year out. Uh, not shocked at all. I'm actually shocked we haven't seen more Douglas guys come down the pike, but they have been filling up the rosters at Black Hill State and Shenandoah. That is a 3A, 3A, it was a 3A power when I was there for sure. I know they haven't won a state title in a minute, but they have athletes and they pump them out continuously. Mm-hmm. So, good to see. Um, yeah, other than that, man, they just, uh, you know, we can sit here and lie to you and tell you this is the greatest class ever. You never do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this time of the year, you just don't know, and like, Luckily, some of these couple of them are coming in. We see them a little bit in spring, but no. then you won't hear a coach probably talk about them again until um, first week after practice starts in August. Yep, and um, you might hear a little bit about some uh, from other players what they do in the summertime. Yeah, you know and things like that. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Yep, most of these dudes will be here in June, and uh, selfishly, like we said, really excited to see the Cowboys play a spring game here and. Here in Wyoming, I'd imagine that game will probably – or here in Cheyenne, I'd imagine that game is going to be at East High School. I think last time they were here, they played at Central. I believe that's right. East has a newer stadium. I'd imagine that's probably where they're going to play. But uh, we'll obviously keep you updated on that. Uh, Basketball in full swing. Um, Cowboys won their seventh game of the year last night. They play tonight at 7 against old friend UTEP. I'm sure you have some good memories of Wyoming and UTEP. Well, the two that stand out are, of course, uh, um, Antonio Davis and Laramie against John Summers. They had a little skirmish, <laughs> and then um, and then Sly Johnson at UTEP uh, got into a fight, and uh, and I gosh, did he? I can't remember how it all went down, uh, but but it was there was blood. I do remember that. So you're telling me Sly Johnson got in a fight during a game. And I reached out to Sly Johnson to ask him for our villain series about villains that he played against. And he not only said, no, I don't want your negativity, he blocked me on Twitter. I, I ran into him at the Maury Brown service and talked to him for a little bit. And he's here in Cheyenne yeah, uh, working at East, I believe, as a guidance counselor. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, no wonder he doesn't want negativity in his life. I would ah. really love to talk to to Mr. Sly Johnson about uh, his overreaction to a simple question <laughs> for a fun, loving story about old rivalries. But no negativity here, folks. We won't be talking about that. But the Cowboys Miners tonight at 7 o'clock, do not yell at me again. If you can't find the stream, 
That was a UW press release. They said it was going to be on the Mountain West Network, and they said it was going to be on that Sun Bowl Association YouTube page. It wasn't. I listened, I sat in my car, and I listened to most that game last night myself. It did end up being on somewhere in the second half because I, I, I heard people say that they actually got to watch it. So hopefully no. tonight it will be on from the tip. Yeah. And since it's UTEP, too, that might help yeah. a little bit. So. And what what a nice little boost here for the Cowboys to win. I know this is just kind of a smaller uh, in-season tournament, but go win a tournament championship. Go Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. And the Cowgirls are playing right now, so we'll get those scores to you here shortly. But they're they're up on Wright State um, right before at halftime, actually 32-20 to 20, out in Las Vegas at the Holiday Hoops Classic. Didn't we meet some Wright State fans when we were at the NCAA tournament in Dayton? I could have swore. Isn't Wright State close to Dayton or something? Possibly. Yeah, They. I think they were in that first. Yeah, I want to say yeah. we met some people that were like, yeah, we're here for Wright State. And it was like, who? And actually, I think that may have been the person who um, stepped in stepped for, in for Reese. Reese yeah. Was the women's play-by-play person I from Wright State. I think you're right. Yep, so. I think you're right. Well, more football news will be coming down the pike here. Uh, we haven't really touched on it much, but oh, by the way, they also have a game in nine days in Tucson, Arizona. I don't know if you've gotten your tickets yet, and it's only supposed to be in the 60s, it looks like. Tops. Which... Uh, the tickets were actually emailed out today. Oh, okay. I, I received mine and the tailgate tickets, so be on the lookout for those, folks. If you haven't got them yet, check your emails. And the game tickets come directly from SeatGeek, because that's who they use there. Um, but it's a, uh, and then your tailgate tickets will come from Wyoming. I haven't checked any word on if attendance can be all right or ticket I haven't sales. heard, to be honest with you. Yeah, I haven't heard either. I haven't looked into that. We keep having all this weird news break to where you can't do those cute stories about ticket sales right now. We'll look into that though. Um, pay attention to the website this week. We'll be pumping out more stories about uh, signing day. I came out of that. <laughs> I came out of that interview yesterday with a million. Story ideas, just little little tidbits, little interesting uh, notes, of course. Have Aaron Bull's um, promotion story up right now, the running back story, also uh, the value of in-state guys and uh, what they mean to this program as well as the walk-ons. So make sure to get over to 7220sports.com, check that out. I think it's safe to say, Jared, <clears throat> we've been having some of the biggest months in the history of this website over the last few months, and I know a lot of news has happened, you know, when the head coach, a head coach like Craig Bull, who's been here for so long, leaves, it's going to be a boost in numbers. But we have seen consistently unbelievable numbers of late. We always have had really good numbers, but now it just seems to be hitting a whole new level. It Absolutely, and we appreciate all of our readers and viewers and yeah. listeners, yeah. Uh, and let's just keep growing this thing. Absolutely. It's weird, man. Every time I see a number, I go, man, um, I figured everybody who's a Wyoming Cowboys fan already knew about 7220, but we're seeing unique page views from all over the globe. So it's been really cool. I'm getting I'm getting the good kind of calls from the boss uh, <laughs> here and there going, man, dude, these numbers are just getting better and better. So thank you without you guys. And I know I tell, you, I tell people that often that I talk to, you know, I like to have some fun. I like to get in people's ass a little bit when they spread misinformation here and there. Uh, but it's all in fun and it's all in good, good faith and, and I love uh, love chatting with a lot of you guys and, and really appreciate what you do. We wouldn't be able to do any of this without you. And, so. of course, thanks all of our sponsors because we yes. wouldn't be able to do it without them as well. No so. question. No question. Big thanks to all of them. And uh, we won't talk to you before Christmas, so Merry Christmas to everybody out there. And one thing I wanted to say, too, uh, there's a bunch of specials going on in Laramie and Cheyenne. So for even folks that live here, it's great. But also folks that maybe have kids in school in Laramie or in Cheyenne that could use these. Um bunch of gift cards are on sale for half price. Yeah. Go to seize the deal.com select Southeast Wyoming 
and buy some stuff. Because it, I mean, you can get twenty-five dollar gift cards for twelve fifty, fifty dollar gift cards for twenty-five bucks. Uh, lots, lots of good restaurants, dining deals, and retail stores. And it's awesome because it pops up around the story, especially on desktop, and yep. it's it takes up like you can't miss it. It's really good. That's actually one of the pop ups I love because <laughs> you can still read what you want to read, but that thing just is right in your face yep. and tells you, "Hey, click." So good stuff. Uh, yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Hope you have a great holiday. Hope to see a lot of you out in Tucson. And we will be back next week for the kickoff show. Yes, kickoff show. Start at noon. Goes from noon to 1, and then the pregame show will go from 1 to 2.30 and kick off at 2.30. Better get our ass to the desert. Excited I'll be there. It. Excited for it. All right, thanks, guys. Have a great week.